So there's this song out right now. I've been selling my soul, working all day. It's really popular. He's gained more than 11 million views on YouTube and his song has rocketed to number one on iTunes. And it's making all the rounds across the internet. He blowing though. He came mm -hmm. right out the gate with it though. Who's this Oliver Anthony guy? And it feels like absolutely everybody is talking about it. Preach it, brother. Why do my taxes have to pay for your bag of fudge rounds. For your fire, bro. And he's talking about the politicians in D.C. Yes. They all want to have control. The song is called Rich Men from North of Richmond, or something like that. And it's by a guy by the name of Oliver Anthony. What the world's gotten to for people like me, people like you. This guy, Oliver Anthony, is living out in rural Virginia. He has a little piece of land and a couple of dogs, and he's just been playing music kind of on his own terms, doing his own thing for a few years now. And this West Virginia radio YouTube channel or something came to his farm, recorded him in front of his deer stand singing this song, and it has absolutely blown up. To say that this song has been popular would be an understatement. It has just skyrocketed to the top of all of these major charts, whether it be Apple iTunes or Spotify or anywhere, YouTube. It's got, I don't know, 17 million views as I'm recording this right now. It's just been wildly popular. But the other thing about this song, like so much in this day and age, is the song has been wildly polarizing. There are folks who absolutely love it, and there are folks out there who despise it and feel like the song is punching down, and there's been accusations that it has roots in white supremacy, and there's been criticism that it just really doesn't understand the challenges of some folks out there who are experiencing poverty. And all of this, all of it, both the appreciation of this song, the anger with this song, and when I think about this song, the biggest, most important point that it underscores for me is thinking about empathy and the lack of empathy that exists in this day and age and that exists in our world. And on today's episode of the Goldshaw Farm podcast, which is back after a very long hiatus, I want to talk a little bit about that and the role that empathy can play in understanding Oliver Anthony and understanding the world that we live in today, and maybe some things that we all can think about and do to try to make this place a better place. Now, when I hear the Oliver Anthony song, I got to say, I really enjoy just the raw soul and emotion that the guy puts into his vocals, the lyrics really coming from a very personal perspective. It really caught me those first couple of lines. The lyrics of the song are coming from this perspective of a guy who's working hard and feeling like the elites and the folks in power are taking advantage of that hard work. But then the second part of the song kind of takes a turn that that disappointed me and made me feel like, eh, maybe this isn't something I can really get into or get behind. And specifically, it criticizes folks who are on welfare, folks who might be obese, folks who might be buying junk food with their SNAP benefits or something along those lines. And for me, that created a very weird parallel where at the beginning, you're talking about being taken advantage of the elites the second half of the song, you're essentially looking down on folks who are in a situation probably worse off than you are. And for me, that's where this concept of empathy really rises up and takes prominence and got me thinking and 
got me wanting to turn on the recorder and, and share this message with you guys. Because I think for the folks who are trashing Oliver Anthony right now, they lack empathy in seeing where this guy comes from. But then similarly, for someone like Oliver Anthony, as well as all the people championing and singing praises around this song, I think they lack empathy for when you think about folks who might say be on government assistance for their food. Now, empathy is a really interesting concept because I think too often folks confuse empathy with sympathy. When it comes to sympathy, you're saying, hey, I feel bad for you or, hey, wow, it sucks to be you. That's at the root of what I think of when I think of sympathy. But when it comes to empathy, I think that's a much deeper and much harder thing to express and undertake. And it really requires the person who is having that empathy to shift their perspective and move from outside of themselves and move into the perspective of the person that they're having that empathy for. Having empathy might mean setting aside your personal experiences, values, and judgments and taking a moment to walk a mile in another person's shoes. And for many folks, that's very difficult. I know for me, it's really difficult. I struggle with empathy all the time. You could ask my wife. There are so many people that I just shake my fist at in this world and say, why are they so dumb? Why do they do what they do? Why do they think that way? I have that expression all the time. And whenever I realize that I'm doing that and whenever I catch myself in that sort of mindset, I realize well, maybe I should be expressing more empathy and maybe I should shift my perspective a little bit and maybe I should be walking a mile in that person's shoes or at least doing my best to imagine what that mile walked might look like. Like I want you to do a little thought experiment with me here as you're listening to this and, and wherever you are, as, as long as you're not driving, Take a moment and close your eyes and just stop for a moment and think about the world that you're experiencing right now. What do things sound like? What do they feel like? What does it feel like to take a breath? Play along with me. Do this because I'm doing it right now, too, if you're, you're watching the YouTube version of this. And I got to say... I'm trying to experience the world just solely from my perspective. Now that you've done that, and now that you have a sense of where you're at and you're grounded, think about a person who is the polar opposite of you. If you're a man, maybe they're a woman. If you're tall, maybe they're short. If you're skinny, maybe they're fat. If you're white, maybe they're black. Think about somebody who's just fundamentally very different from who you are. If you're 25 years old, think about somebody who's maybe 75 years old. And now put yourself in the shoes of that person and listen to the sounds that you hear. Take a breath or two in the air and think about what it would be like to be that person experiencing that same thing that you're experiencing right at this moment. Now, if you're doing this thought experiment honestly, you're probably struggling to have any sort of difference in distinction, and you must be saying to yourselves right now, gosh, Morgan is off his rocker now because that breath that I just took is exactly the same as the one that I took before it. And I do this thought experiment with you guys because I think it's so hard to artificially try to understand another person's reality, and that exercise, I think, underscores that. Because to think beyond yourself and your own concerns and really express that empathy and have that empathetic mindset 
it takes a whole heck of a lot of stretching and imagination and experience that you probably don't even have. I think that that's actually one of the big myths when it comes to empathy as a whole. I think so often folks are focused on empathy as this idea that if I do these things, if I try to take the other person's perspective, I'm going to be able to see where they're coming from and where they're coming from is still a stupid place. And so I'm going to cast that judgment on them. But the reality of the fact is the first step to being able to express empathy and have empathy for others is to be able to recognize that you're never going to truly understand where that other person's coming from. Again, I have struggled with empathy for years and it's been something I've been working on as I work on myself. And I might have gotten a little bit better, but I feel like probably the biggest win that I've had in trying to enhance my own sense of empathy is by recognizing I'm never going to be all that good. And by recognizing that it's always going to be an imperfect tool for understanding the perspective of others. Last year, I actually purchased some cattle from somebody and I was really excited about it. I made a video talking about it on YouTube and I put it out there. And as I shared that story with folks, I mentioned that one cow was like immediately showing up at the farm and that was what was featured in the video. And then I also mentioned in that same video that there was going to be this white cow and her calf that were going to be coming to the farm later that winter. But unfortunately, things didn't quite play out the way that I had hoped. And here we are, say, I don't know, gosh, I think it's probably been about eight months later. That white cow is still not on the farm. And I'll tell you guys right now, she's not coming to the farm. And I've received so many questions and comments about her over the course of the last eight months on my YouTube videos, where I think like not a video goes by where somebody isn't asking, hey, when's the white cow coming? What happened to the white cow? Like I'm getting that question over and over again. And I have avoided talking about it because I'm in this place these days where I'm trying to make myself better and I'm trying to express empathy. And I think some of the missteps I've made in years past, I'm trying to improve upon. And without trying to get into too many of specifics on a topic that, like I said, I'm not going to talk about directly in any meaningful way, I have allowed my ability to understand where somebody else is coming from, drive my behavior and my actions when I say, hey, I really don't want to talk about this situation and I'm going to continue to take that place. Because while from my perspective, I might be upset that cow has not arrived at the farm and things didn't play out the way that they were supposed to, I also recognize that the other person on the side of that equation is probably dealing with some really difficult things. And for me to be hammering that person publicly, talking about why hasn't that come here? Why hasn't like why hasn't the plan played out the way it was supposed to and agreed to? I don't know. I just don't think that's necessarily doing the right thing. And as I keep trying to express that empathy and maybe see the world from their perspective, I've decided to stay mum, and I'm probably walking a line here by even talking about it right now, but that is continuing to be my intention, and so I'm not going to talk about any of the specifics around it. But what I'm seeing is my attempt to, to have more empathy is driving me to behave a little bit differently, 
And I got to say, I'm actually feeling better about it. There would have been times past when I would have just allowed anger and resentment to set in. And I would have gotten very frustrated with that person and the situation and myself. And, and it just would have created this giant swirl of negative emotions. But if I think beyond myself and my own situation and my own concerns, and I allow the perspective and the situation of another person to guide how I'm seeing a situation, not that I can perfectly see it from that perfectly empathetic angle like we attempted to do in that exercise just a few minutes ago, but if I can see it in a way where I am stepping back and saying, hey, putting more pressure isn't the right thing, it actually lifts a weight off of my own shoulders, and it actually makes me feel personally better about that situation. And I think, to me, that is actually the most remarkable thing about having empathy. That is like the magic, that if you can actually find a way to garner and muster empathy in yourself and for other people... It becomes like a superpower. It's, it's actually even something that I've, I've been talking a lot about with some friends lately. And, and part of why I was so motivated to want to talk about this here is because I just think that for you, as you're listening to this podcast right now and hearing this guy ramble on about empathy, I would just encourage everybody to take several more steps towards that empathy and finding empathy for others in their perspective. I'm not saying you need to agree with them. I'm not saying you need to sanction and condone actions that you believe are wrong. And I'm not saying that it's a cure-all that will solve everything. But what I am saying is, by having that empathy, it's going to make you feel better about things. And it's going to make this world a better place. And again, let me echo this idea that empathy is not an easy thing. Setting aside your own personal baggage and beliefs and values and life experiences and trying to manifest that perspective of another person is difficult. And maybe even more difficult about expressing empathy is that it requires you to be vulnerable. You have to put yourself in somebody else's place. And that is not often a comfortable place to go to. And that is not a comfortable situation to find yourself in. If, if you're struggling with finding that empathy... Maybe it's that you're not letting yourself become vulnerable enough to take that other person's perspective. Which brings me back to Oliver Anthony and the song Rich Men North of Richmond and that sense that it is a song that lacks empathy. And if I was going to critique it, right? Look, I feel like it is punching down. And I know I'm not the only person to have said this criticism, but... When you make a song where half the song is you just railing on people who are on food stamps or I guess SNAP benefits these days, they don't have stamps anymore, and that's one of the main messages of your song, it makes it hard to have empathy for you. But if I step back and I try to assume the perspective of somebody like Oliver Anthony, let's do that exercise live and let's talk it through, right? Because you know, there's that first part of the song about working a job that you don't like and not feeling like you're being fairly compensated for your work. That's something I can understand and that's something I can get behind and I can see that resentment and sort of where that would come from. 
I've had situations where I've had jobs that I've hated and I feel like I've been taken advantage of financially in those jobs. And I think that's a feeling that we can all see. While I am not in that situation today and I absolutely love what I do and the life that I lead, it doesn't mean I haven't been in that place where somebody like Oliver Anthony is coming from. And I can see where that anger and resentment comes from. And I, I actually think part of the reason why that the song is so popular right now and why it struck a chord with so many people is because they're feeling that same sense. There are so many people here, particularly in the United States of America, who are feeling like, hey, their work has been exploited. They are getting ripped off. They are being taken advantage of when it comes to having dead-end jobs or jobs that they don't care about or jobs where they're not being paid fairly or jobs that check all of those boxes simultaneously. Like that is something that these folks completely understand. And so when they hear a dude singing with, with as much passion as Oliver Anthony about that topic and as much energy and conviction, gosh, that can just hit you right there and you can feel it. And now if I were to take that perspective of the person who is in that place and in that situation and you feel like the Washington elites are corrupt and morally reprehensible doing things like child abuse, which is another reference in the lyrics, or the idea that kind of control and surveillance is one of the main objectives of the government. And if that's a belief that you have and you're feeling like you're being taken advantage by your boss, you're being taken advantage by your government, gosh, that can be resentment. And then what I think then happens is when you think about somebody who might be on welfare or somebody who, who needs public assistance of some sort and they're not working as hard as you are, you're, you're at least not perceiving that they're working as hard as you are. And that for you is something that that just really gets you because, hey, look, yeah, I'm working hard and I'm having to pay taxes and I'm getting ripped off. And meanwhile, these people over there, particularly when you other them and you point them off in a direction and say that they're different than you, you're saying these people over there, they are not like me. And in fact, they're taking advantage of me. Maybe that could be some sort of recipe for anger for a lot of folks. And maybe that's where somebody like Oliver Anthony is coming from. Now, I say all this where I don't quite feel like it's accurate or true. But I say all this as an exercise in empathy, and I say all this in an exercise of me trying to shift my perspective from where I am here as a 40-something late-in-life farmer who also makes content and puts it out on the internet, and that's what I do, that's my job, compared with a guy like Oliver Anthony, who's, I don't know, probably somewhere in his 30s, so he's a little bit younger than I am, but it sounds like he's worked jobs that he just hasn't loved and has been unhappy with how that situation has played out, I could maybe see where there's this resentment building. But the funny part for me is actually, if you look at the facts of it all, and you look at, say, for example, the overall federal budget and what percentage of the budget is consumed by public assistance and welfare programs and SNAP benefits and that sort of thing. I don't know. Depending on how you count it, it's probably somewhere between, you know, 2% or less than 1%. It's like somewhere in there. It's a tiny fraction. If you look at the federal budget for 2023, you have about $1.8 trillion of federal discretionary budget. 
And then of that 1.8 trillion, you have about 1.1 trillion or 62% that's spent on the military and, and military defense programs and that sort of thing. So that is, in fact, where most of your tax dollars are going. And in fact, less than $2 out of every $5 in federal discretionary spending was actually spent on communities and people. And so that's where you're going to get your things like SNAP benefits or child care benefits or things for public assistance type programs. It is quite literally a drop in the federal budget bucket. That is not my opinion. Those are the actual facts. Now, what is my personal opinion is that, yeah, maybe there are people who take advantage of the system and maybe there are people who could or should be working harder than they are. But when it comes down to it, I also know that benefits like that can help a lot of folks who are in need when we are quite literally living in a country of plenty. But now, again, if I'm going to use my empathy power here and shift my perspective and look at it the way somebody like Oliver Anthony might be looking at things or the way somebody who's a fan of Oliver Anthony might be looking at things, what you might be seeing is yourself working really hard and then there are other people who are not working nearly as hard and they're in fact taking advantage of the system. And by taking advantage of the system, they're actually indirectly taking advantage of you personally. And that in and of itself can make you angry because I can think about personal times in my life when folks have taken advantage of me and believe me, I got pissed. And so the idea that you're getting angry at folks that you think are taking advantage of you, that makes perfect sense to me. And while I also might not believe that somebody who's buying a box of Little Debbie snack cakes with their snap benefits is on par with, I don't know, folks who are hanging out on Epstein Island, I can see where the anger and resentment sets in. I think another example of where this comes into play is when I look at a lot of the criticism that comes when white folks in particular are talking about things like being anti-racist or criticism of things like critical race theory, where folks who might be struggling, who might be having hard times, see another group of people who might also be struggling and might also be having hard times getting an advantage that they're not getting and maybe even perceiving it a little bit as a zero-sum game in that they're actually being taken advantage of by letting that other person get an advantage. But what's unfortunate about it all is all of these folks are struggling and there are challenges that many folks have. And yes, there has been systemic racism and there are certain policies that have set black folks in America back significantly if you're thinking about it from an education perspective or an economic perspective and maybe in order to dismantle systems like that they might need a certain leg up in certain situations or they could welcome that leg up in certain situations and yes maybe you're struggling and you're not getting that same advantage but believe me there are many other advantages that you've probably had throughout your lifetime that you're just not including in that full inventory again like i started this podcast with I do believe that one of our root problems as a society here in the United States of America in 2023 is a lack of empathy, a lack of empathy in terms of how we're seeing a variety of folks across the country and how we're not necessarily appreciating their perspectives. Now, there's another angle that pops up in the whole Richmond, North of Richmond lyrics that has gotten some folks upset with the song. And, and I would actually say that I, I count myself as one of them, too, where 
the weight of somebody or somebody being obese. And it's like literally a lyric in the song about people being obese, getting food stamps or welfare. And somebody who's five foot three and 300 pounds using their snap benefits to buy some fudge round snack cakes. There's a lot of anger in that. And it's very pointed. And it's interesting, too, because it's like a little bit fat phobic in the place. And I don't know, for you guys who are familiar with me and a little bit of my story, right? You know this, but for those who aren't, I'm somebody who I've struggled with my weight my entire life. And really, it's only been in the last couple of years that I've been actually seeking treatment for binge eating disorder. And I've been losing some weight and improving my health and working on some things. But so much of that isn't about a value judgment about, hey, it's not good to be fat from a, it's a moral flaw or a character flaw, but just something that I was finding that I wanted to work on in myself in terms of trying to improve my health and potential longevity, as well as making it easier to work on the farm. Like that's at the root of, of what I was doing, but then also just wanting to get some things that were essentially emotional issues and deep-seated rooted in childhood type of stuff, try to get some of those things under control. And so I worked on my weight and lost some weight and I probably lost about 90 pounds in the last year. But I will say that as a you know chubby person now and say a fat person last year, I've seen it over and over again, the amount of character judgment and assessment that gets made on people who have weight problems and weight struggles. And to me, that's unfortunate because oftentimes what a lot of those folks need is some empathy and some support and also recognizing that there's a host of reasons where, where folks could be struggling with their weight or struggling with things like an eating disorder. And so, again, when I hear lyrics like the ones in Richmond, north of Richmond, to me, that feels like an extreme lack of empathy coming from my perspective of where I'm coming from. If I'm going to come from Oliver Anthony's perspective again, I can see, okay, he sees just these fat, lazy people who are taking advantage of the system and indirectly taking advantage of him. And that becomes another root of that resentment and anger. And that's where it's fueled in. And towards the end of the song, I don't know if it's like the last verse or the bridge, I don't know musical terms, but, but towards the end part, there's also another lyric that goes along the lines of, Young men are putting themselves six feet in the ground because all this damn country does is keep on kicking them down. And specifically what that is a reference to is the idea that suicide and self-destructive behavior amongst young men in the United States of America, particularly actually white young men in the United States of America, is on the rise. And it is a problem. And what the perspective, at least from Oliver Anthony, is coming from is that's being done by the system. That's being done by the elites. Nobody's there for them. Nobody's caring for them. And again, one of the reasons why I think this song has become so gosh darn popular is a sentiment like that resonates with a whole huge audience out there here in the United States. And there are a lot of people who are feeling that way and feel a line like that and feel like when they hear somebody singing a song like that, they're saying, yeah, this guy gets me. And that's unfortunate to me too, because yeah, I think there are a lot of folks out there in, in young men specifically who have a hard lot. It's funny. I, I am again in my forties at this point and I own a home and I've had a pretty decent career and I've been able to establish a certain measure of financial security. 
but I have friends who are in their early 20s and they're living from paycheck to paycheck. They are renting. They see no opportunity to purchase their own home. I have friends who are in their 30s who actually fall into that same category too. And I look at folks younger than myself and say, gosh, it, it is getting harder and harder to make your way in this day and age. And I feel like that's been a steady generational struggle that sort of things peaked as the opportunities for baby boomers existed. So like when folks like my parents' generation were coming out of college or, or actually even going into college and being able to pay for that by just working as a fry cook at McDonald's and then getting out of college and being able to get a good job, not burdened with a crazy amount of student loans and being able to then parlay that good job or even just not even good job. It's like, okay, job parlay that into purchasing a home at a relatively low price, particularly relatively low price to today. And then being able to lock that in and use that as a tool for wealth building and ultimately get to a place where they're retiring now and they have pensions and they have retiree health benefits and things that folks in my generation and younger don't even have an opportunity to sniff at. When I see that, I can understand where that resentment comes from. And even again, even though I'm in a, a place of relative security compared to m most folks in the United States, I can see where that anger and resentment comes from. And, and I understand. And again, having that empathy helps you see where folks are coming from. I don't agree with the lyrics of the song. I don't support it. I don't even like it, to be quite honest. But undertaking this empathy exercise has me understanding where they're coming from. And so I say all of this because I really would love to encourage anybody out there who happens to hear this, that the next time you see somebody who pisses you off, the next time something rubs you the wrong way, the next time you look at people and shake your head and say, I just don't even understand where they're coming from, I would just implore you to just take a moment and have that empathetic perspective before you talk to that person or before you post that cranky Facebook status or share that bogus article and with your garbage opinion, like just take a minute and have that empathy. And I don't know, I don't know, I think it's going to make the world 5% better or 10% better. I just hope it like makes the world 1% better if we all just try to make our default mode of reaction a little bit more focused on empathy. So that's what I got for you today. I know this is like the first time I've done a podcast in over a year, but just, I don't know, I was thinking about this as I was doing chores this morning and, and didn't want to do it as a video, wanted to do it here. I am going to be resurrecting the Goldshaw Farm podcast. You're going to be seeing more of these popping up. It will be a slightly different format than the old version of the podcast. I'll be doing probably fewer interviews. You'll hear more rambling like this, but there will be some interviews and other folks that I talk to. And it probably will like veer a little bit further away from like just traditional farm content like I usually do in my YouTube videos and Facebook videos and TikToks and all that good stuff. And it's going to take a little bit broader. But if you're looking for those things, just look for Goldshaw Farm on YouTube, TikTok, Facebook, Instagram. We also have a brand new book coming out. Or it's going to be September 18th is the release of Toby Dog of Goldshaw Farm. Uh, you can actually pre-order it on Amazon right now. The Kindle version, there's going to be an audio version that I do a narration on, and we brought in some actors to actually play the characters, and, and it's 
going to be really cool. I was actually just listening to one of the final versions just as we're, we're going through the mastering process right now. And I don't know, I'm super proud of it. And I think it's going to be awesome. But yeah, check out Toby Dog of Goldshaw Farm. And with that, I will be back again with another episode really soon. Thanks for listening, everybody. It's got a soul, this hero farm. It falls asleep inside my arms. We walk the fields under the stars. For love is here, Goldshaw Farm.